0: This morning, we're just going to read from um, Job, the 14th chapter, and then we're going to touch on Job 39, and then we'll get into um, 1 John, the 1st chapter. So here, in Job 14, and verse 1, this is, again, this is Job. He's in the middle of his trial, and and the majority of those think that this was This couldn't have been more than nine months, every single thing that happened to Job. And he's in the middle of this, and you can read those 13 chapters before. But in verse 1, it says this, Man that is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. The Hebrew says that short days. So we all have a measure of days. Verse 2 says, he comes forth like a flower and is cut down. He flees also as a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes upon such a one and bring me into judgment with you? He's speaking to, he's speaking to God. And then he asks this, who can bring a clean thing, a clean anything, out of an unclean? And he makes this statement, not one. That's a natural man, isn't it? Right? everything's impossible with him verse 5 seeing his days are determined we all have a determined amount of days seeing his days are determined the number of his months are with you you have appointed his bounds that he cannot pass turn from him that he may rest till he give till he will accomplish as a harling his day but now in verse 7, for there is hope of a tree. Remember how uh, recently uh, God shared the word with us about Mark chapter 8 verses 23 to 25. He asked that man, he said, what do you see? He said, I see men walking as what? Trees. And then he healed him, touched his eyes, and then he said to him, now what do you see? He said, I see what? Men, as what? As they really are. But here it says, For there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again, and the tender branch thereof will not cease. And of course, this is referring to Christ himself, without any question about that. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth, and the stalk thereof die in the ground, yet through the scent of water it will bud, and will bring forth... Boughs like a plant. But man dies and wastes away. Yeah, the Bible makes that clear to us, even about us who are in Christ. And we know that in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, our outward man is what? Perishing, Perishing. but the inward man is what? It's being renewed day by day. So man in his outward wastes away. Yea, man gives up his spirit. And where is he? As the waters fail from the sea and the flood decays and dries up, so man lies down and rises not. Thank God that's only to our old bodies in Christ. We get these brand new ones in Philippians 3, verse 21. Till the heavens be no more, they will not awake nor be raised out of their sleep. Oh, that you would hide me in the grave that you would keep me secret until your wrath be past. that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. Verse 14, if a man die, here's the question, if a man die, will he live again? Will he ever experience life? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. So we see there, in this beauty here, we see this This was a question in Job's day. That was a question that he had. But in that question, it was a statement. What was it? It was a statement of impossibility being only made the stronger by the question that he asked. The very form of that question that he asked. And even though there is, and we see this, we can even see it, Thank God as we the, the Bible's been making clear to us and God's been making clear to us here this morning that in Romans 8, verse 9, we have the flesh in us, but we're not of it. Thank God. We have that flesh that's in us. And that flesh that's in us, in that flesh, what do we recognize? Well, we recognize in that flesh that reveals itself is there's, there's evil in that, but is that who we are? Not Thank God for us, it's not who we are. But God, through grace and truth, through who we are in Christ, has made it responsible for us to govern ourselves under his headship. And thank God we have that. This is something that Job couldn't experience any more than those in the Old Covenant could. They could experience the love of God, but they didn't experience what you and I have in Christ. But apart from the grace of God, what is there? And apart from his restraining hand, what do we need? What do we function in? Well, a nature that manifests itself. Yeah. Without his restraining hand. And thank God we have that. That's why Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, come unto me. <laughs> We're his. Why do we wait? Gosh, why do we wait? Because he's teaching us. That when, we, when we have Christ in us and when we wait... The reason that we're waiting is, is because that he, he truthfully is waiting to be gracious in Isaiah 30 verse 18. But he has to decrease in experience that area where we function in the flesh. Because is the flesh at all, in, that's in us, that we're not of, in any way can God govern that? No. Can't. He can't do that. But he governs us where and who we are in Christ. So thank God we can see this, the restraining here. So Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, he said, Come unto me. That's what he said, come. Come unto me, all, what? All you that what? Mm-hmm. Labor, right? And many times we can look at the word labor. We could be struggling with sin. We could be struggling with failure. We could be struggling with rejection, physical pain, you know, mental and emotional pain. Uh, We could. But what should we do? Come unto him. All you that labor. And heavy laden can mean that we or others put burdens on us. That we were never designed to bear. Christ is the burden bearer. And so in those two, two things, those two areas of our life, we are to come unto him all that labor and a heavy laden. What will be the result? He will give us something we don't have outside of him, but we have it in him. And that what is that? It's rest. We'll, we'll find that rest. And we can see that even in Matthew, again, the, the 28th chapter. And But before we get there, we're thinking about how much time that we have here. And we know that each of us We have, as the Scriptures revealed to us, we just saw that in in Job, the 14th chapter, but here we can look at this chapter of 39 of Psalms. And this is what Psalm 39, the Word of God, is revealing to, to us here this morning. And this is what it says in Psalm 39. Psalm 39, and many, they say, this is obviously, this is a Psalm of David. And this is what David was saying. He said, I said, I will take heed to my ways, that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle. Really, the Hebrew says with a muzzle. (laughs) Bridle's one thing, muzzle's another. A bridle, which is, you know, which is part of, of the yoke of, of what we can see in James, the third chapter. We can see, can control. <laughs> what does a muzzle do? Keeps that thing closed. He said that, uh, that I'm going to not sin with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle, which really in the Hebrew is a muzzle, while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence he said I held my peace even from good and my sorrow was stirred up in other words truthfully when you study this in the original what he's saying is that he, he's saying I dare not trust myself I don't trust anything but God and his word his leading and that yoke that is so very necessary how many times has God just so beautifully revealed to us that when that yoke that Jesus is saying in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, many times we picture the yoke as Jesus has one on him, and it's, and, and it's two, and then he says, now yoke up with me. That's not the picture in the original. Jesus, in his humanity, because we have to remember, he had a human nature, did not have a sin nature. That's very clear in all the types in, from, from Exodus Leviticus and Numbers all throughout and the types there, he never needed a yoke. Because a yoke always speaks of restraint. And in Numbers 19 in verse two, the red heifer, and why is it a red red heifer there when most of the, we say all the other sacrifices were males? Because in that sense, even Jesus was very submissive. He was always led. Remember in Matthew four verse one, it was the Holy Spirit that led him into the wilderness. But who was really being tempted? (laughs) Was he being tempted? Never. He was being tried in his humanity, but never tempted like you and I. But in the type in Numbers, the 19th chapter in the second verse, it said, a red heifer without blemish or spot, never having a yoke upon it. He never needed restraint. His obedience was instant obedience, instant submission. Not true for us. We need that yoke, don't we? And it's good in Lamentations 3, verse 27, for us to have that yoke. And the earlier, the better. That's making it out. Because in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1, it's very, very necessary to know our Creator in the days of our youth. To know him, to be yoked up to him, to be close to him, to be restrained by the authority of his love, and be, so that when those evil days come—and they will—we will be safe and secure. So in Psalm thirty-nine, and verse verse uh, three, it says, "My heart," he says, "My heart, my mind, and emotions." Really, the Hebrew word is lab, so it's never the the. Uh, The heart as the physical organ. It says, says, "My, my mind was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue. Really, what he's saying is, while I mused, the fire was kindled. But he waits. He waits. He meditates upon God. He meditates upon his word. And when he does, the fire breaks out at last and he speaks. But you know who he speaks to? He speaks to God. Wouldn't that be in all of our relationships as those that are in the body of Christ, would it be that whenever we would have an issue with another believer, who should we go to first? God. And then who should we go to? The other believer alone. In both cases, we go alone, don't we? And that keeps us protected and keeps those individuals protected. That allows forgiveness to flow. And the flow of forgiveness is what? It's the conviction and constancy of God's love for us. And so what do we see here? We see him, he's waiting. He waits. So important to wait, isn't it? Even in the midst of wickedness, even in the midst of whatever we're dealing with in our circumstances and situations, it's so necessary for us to wait. Because God's going to reveal something to us, and this is something we constantly, something I constantly, and as I get a little older, I'm heading for the big 6'9", I still can't believe it. It's like I woke up this morning and I was 69. Okay. (laughs) Verse 4, oh Lord, Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days. Boy, when I look back, and when God teaches me to not look back because there is no condemnation and accusation from him coming towards me, but when I look back in the conviction of his love, I look back and say, God, please, give me a few more days just for you to be glorified. Christ to be glorified in me and for me as I'm blessed to be a blessing to others Lord make me to know my end how close I am and the measure of my days what is it that I may know how frail I am boy I'll tell you one thing you don't feel it as much when you're young but you talk to us older folk here and let me tell you something We're learning that continually. You know, I love what it says. And we brought this out, I believe it was last week, in 1 John 2, 1, where it says, My little children. The word children there is technia. And what it's saying is, irregardless of how mature we are or what our age is, we're still his children. We still are. And in any local assembly in 1 John 2, 12 to 14, there's going to be babes, young men, and spiritual dads. But we're all his children. We don't replace each other. <laughs> from those particular places, we don't reverse the order and counsel. It goes from the spiritual dads by his pure grace and truth uh, to, the, to the young men and women and then to the babes in that sense. But we're all his children and we all need to know how weak we are and frail we are. We're frail. We are totally frail in him. Thank God. And boy, do we need to know that continually, don't we? Behold, in verse 5, you've made my days as a hand breath, and my age is as nothing before you. Truly, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. And the Hebrew says, even the man who's most stable compared to the eternal God is what? <laughs> is still so frail. No wonder it says in 1 Corinthians eight two, none of us, I don't care who we are, none of us know anything like we ought to. That's not negative. That just means that we're going to continue to grow in that love that will never come to the end of for all eternity in Ephesians three, and verse nineteen. It's true, and really the the, the Hebrews saying this really, uh, me, uh, what is the measure of my days? Make me to know it because. I have in time just a short space. That's what the Hebrew is saying. I have this short space. What is this time? The average lifespan in Psalm 90, verse 10, average is three score and 10, 70, and if by reason, 80. I know a couple of of precious young ladies that have exceeded (laughs) that three score and 10, and they're inside these phones. (laughs) And... (laughs) And boy, boy, I'll tell you the wisdom that they that God has given them for us, it's so incredible, and we're so thankful for that for each portion too. And uh, but then, if by reason eighty, then it says, and we're cut off, and we fly away, ah, absent from the body, yay, <laughs> oh, absent from the body. Blink your eyes, present with the Lord in 2 Corinthians 5, 8. But right now, our whole walk is to be governed by complete dependence upon Him. Because when we don't, we can only function in frailty. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, listen, we walk by faith always, not by sight. We are not to be our own interpreters. We're not to be our own theologian or scholars. There's only one. That's why, honestly, as far as I know, there's only one scholar on the Word of God, and that's the Holy Spirit. That we all have him. When we submit to him, he makes known to us things that otherwise we cannot know. We all have that unction in 1 John 2.20. We all have received that anointing in 1 John 2.27 that we can know these things. And that's why it's, it's very interesting. It's very interesting that it takes God to reveal God because only God knows who God is. <laughs> oh, thank you Lord for this reality. You've made my 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 life, my my days as like a short space. A short space. The Hebrew word here is kaled, C H E L E D, and really what it's saying is we are we have this transitoriousness. It's just what everything about our life here in time is what we're passing through! Yay! Oh, oh Lord, and He wants to encourage us. He wants to encourage us this morning. We're just passing through. 1 Peter 2.11, we're strangers and pilgrims. What's well, a pilgrim? They left one place. They haven't settled yet till they reach their final goal, the land. We're strangers. What does that mean? Well, you want to try and explain who you are to an unbeliever. And, and this seems so strange, doesn't it? It's so strange because it is so supernatural who we've been made in Christ. We're strangers and pilgrims. We're just passing through. That's why even in the types in Numbers, the 10th chapter, as Israel was passing through, led out of Egypt under Pharaoh, now they're in the world, uh, the world wilderness, the wilderness worldly system. And everything about them, where they were in a tent. And even that that was secured to the earth, those pins, those stakes, were silver. We completely, constant redemption, we're on our way to our promised land, just like Israel was on their way to their land of promise, Canaan. And what a beautiful thing. And a reality that is for us. We're just passing through. So we can say, with so many, in Romans 8, verse 18, I reckon... Legizima. I counted it all up that the present sufferings of this time are not even worthy there's no they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us and on us for all eternity why because in Colossians 1 verse 27 we have Christ in us the hope the guarantee of a glorious future so this suffering in time we're on our way to a glorious future, where never again will any pain, death, sorrow. In Revelations 21, verse 4, never be our experience again. there would just be an uninterrupted, undisturbed, undistracted exchange between the individual and Christ for all eternity, and that will be the measure of all of us fellowshipping together in Revelations chapter 5 and verses 9 through 12, around The throne of the Lamb. And you know the only song is, you know the only one who's worshiped, you know the only one who's mentioned, it'd be Christ. Christ. And we'll all have a portion in that. And we know that through Revelations 2 and verse 17, uh, that hidden manna, meaning that God was with you and I through everything that we went through. Hidden. Hidden. That's why it says in Isaiah 45, verse 3, he said, I'll give you the treasures of darkness. You're hidden, and it may seem dark, but I've been with you, and we all have a history. We all have his story in us, with us in him. I will give you the treasures of darkness and hidden riches and secret places that you may know, experience that I am the Lord. And what is it worth? We're suffering in time and on our way to a glorious future. But until then, until then, what is it? He has to keep revealing to us that in ourselves we're frail and weak. All our strength is in him. And in Psalm 68, verse 28, he'll continually give us supplies. Continually supply us with grace as we submit to him, as we don't resist him. And, and just be thankful, because we can be, in Ephesians 5, verse 20, we can be thankful for all things, in Christ, who is our strength. And we can be thankful in 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 18, in all things, for and in. Why? He's for us. Why? He's in us, and we're in Him. But, all, but we see this here, in verse 6, Surely every man walks... In a vain show. In other words, every man who walks in his own self is walking in what? A vain show. What is it? A vain. It's just vain. Vain. And surely they are disquieted. What comes out of that vanity? Disquietness. Disquietude is what it says. And knows not what... And then he heaps up riches. Notice that? He heaps up riches and knows not who will gather them. You know why? He's not taking them with you. He's not taking them with him. Nope. We have treasure. You know what our treasure is? In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it's Christ in us. Christ in us. We have that that treasure that Christ is in these fragile, frail clay jars because we were, can you picture Christ in his pre-incarnate state and he's forming the body of Adam out of the dust, the clay, the red clay, Adam, red, red man, forming it dust. He breathes into him the breath of lives and man becomes a living soul. Look what it says. He heaps up riches and knows not who will gather them. And now now Lord what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? Well I tell you our hope is in him. Our only hope. You see that in Romans, the 8th chapter. Look at verse 23 to 28. Thank God. All creation is groaning and travailing, waiting for the manifestation, He who is our hope. Everything, even, the, even creation is, is crying out. All creation is crying out, waiting for their precious Lord. What do I wait for? What do we wait for? Because when we don't wait for Him and trust Him, and put all our cares at his feet because he's the burden bearer in Psalm 55 and verse 22. Cast your burden, your frailty upon the Lord. Result, he will sustain you. He will never, lo- he will never allow those whose righteousness is Christ to be moved. Never, because he's the burden bearer in 1 Peter 5 verse seven. We cast all, all what? I care, you know why? Because we weren't built. To carry them, we our frame is dust in Psalm one hundred and three, in verse fourteen. But as we see this, we either walk in who we are in Christ, and to do that, we need a yoke. We do need to be yoked up to Him, because if not, it'll be vain, vanity, habal in the Hebrew, H A B E L, habal, and it means just breath. Man is literally the Hebrew says man is just like a puff of breath and then gone <laughs> what is our life in james 4 verse 14 it is but a vapor <laughs> then we're gone aren't we something <laughs> boy what we can make of ourselves oh lord deliver me <laughs> please lord from vanity from vanity because it's what it, that word van habal in the hebrew was idol And it's from that Hebrew word, habal. And what is it? It means to be vain in act, word, or expectation. Just think about that. Where where does our expectation come from? No wonder it says, and that's what he was teaching the psalmist David in Psalm 39 My soul, wait you upon who? Him. For from him comes my what? My expectation when he's my expectation no matter how weak i am psalm 62 verse 8 it tells me that i can trust in him when at all times wouldn't it isn't he the greatest one the safest one to pour out all our troubles because he'll never judge us never accuse us never reject us pour out your hearts unto him That's what it says. You can trust in him at all times, through everything, because we're just passing through. And while we're passing through, we're just trusting him. Another opportunity, another weakness, another, listen, another failure. And thank God, failure is included in the plan of God, but never in the final outcome. Thank you, God, for that. You stick around long enough and you'll see that. And uh, so thank God for that. But you know what Also, vanity means too? It means to lead astray. That's why we need this yoke of restraint, because we can be so led astray. And when we are, what do we experience? Emptiness. We, everything is transitory. When we, we, we mentioned it the other day, we have these random thoughts. And God's one thought, his full thought, is his son, is Christ. And we all have that, don't we? But when it says this, they, they, they walk in a vain show. Really, you know what it's talking about here? It's they walk in a vain, empty image. That's what it's saying. We have a proper image, each of us individually. Again, Revelations 2, verse 17 goes into that. We all have a specific image in Christ. We all have that. But when we don't function through restraint and through being governed in Galatians 5 and verse 16 by the Holy Spirit, when we don't, what are our thoughts? What are our thoughts? They're transitory. They're purposeless. They're meaningless. And the idol. What is the idol? That which is what? Unsubstantial. There's no substance in it. No wonder it says in Hebrews 11, 1. Faith is the substantiation, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence not seen. Does faith mean I don't have evidence and I trust God without evidence? You can't trust Him if you don't have evidence. So our faith is established on the most certain, eternal facts about who Christ is in us and who we are in Him. And we have that, thank God. So instead of wandering, no wonder the psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 67, Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Boy, our little vessels, these little puff dust. Do <laughs> you imagine? I just some days, honestly, I just feel like I'm walking around. I'm, I'm walking around like a piece of dust. You ever see those dust balls? In those corners, when the guy comes to take your refrigerator out, oh, didn't get behind there. See all her little dust balls, and you look at all the stuff that gets attached to that. Yeah, I just feel like a little dust ball, with some hair, (laughs) some. (laughs) Oh boy, oh Lord, we are so weak. Well, again, the idol, that which is unsubstantial, it's worthless, it's vain. I lose my proper identity. Because I lose my proper image about who Christ has made me to be, and then I become disquieted. You know it says in Isaiah 57, verse 19, "He creates the fruit of the lips." Proper conversation in Ephesians 4:29, "He creates the fruit of the lips." He does. And then it says, "There's, there's no peace. There is no peace to the unbeliever. And in our flesh, that's how we function. We're in Christ. opposition is absolutely secure. What is our experience? Without a yoke. Without restraint. Without the authority of his love is our experience. We become our own authorities. When we do, we become our own interpreters. We'll even interpret the scriptures apart from him. And that's even in 2 Peter 1.20. No wonder it says the scriptures are to be of no private interpretation. We'll do that. I can do it. The moment I'm in the flesh, that's what I'll do. Instantly. Without that yoke of restraint, I'll become disquieted. Hama, H-A-M-A-H, Hama in the Hebrew, and it means to make a loud noise, right? You used to hear this all the time. You should make your complaint loud enough. I forget that the squeaky wheel, how does that go? Yep, there it is. You got to squeak. Boy, we can squeak, can't we? (laughs) We can squeak. But to make a loud noise, okay? It's to be in great commotion or tumult, and then we begin to rage. And war, moan. No <laughs> wonder if it says, for us in Christ, Philippians 2, verse 14, do all things without what? Murmuring. What's murmuring? <laughs> or disputing. Now they're outward. <laughs> Why? We need to learn restraint. We need to learn. We can't do a single thing without him. Because in Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13, and there are no chapters and verses in the original. It just flows very beautifully. But in Philippians 2, 12, work out your own salvation. That's not not the day you just got born again. That's your whole Christian life. Work out your own salvation with a reverence and a trembling. Why? For it is God which works in you, both your what? Well, and to do of his good pleasure. So I may have a free will and that's something we, that God was revealing to us last week. There's two things he didn't take away from Adam. There's two things he didn't take away from a single human being. He didn't take away free will and he didn't take away the fact that we're weak. <laughs> and thank God when you and I are weak and we submit experientially to the reality of our proper image in a proper position that we have that's immovable, we experience the the strength of His grace. Joel 3.10 and 2 Corinthians 12 and verse nine. And we are so thankful for those things because I'll tell you, when we get led astray and we make loud noises because we don't think we're getting things met in us, then what? We become susceptible to all these lust patterns To all this, because all behavior is what? Is caused. And with every cause, there's what? There's an effect. And then that's where these addictions and idols, these worldly things that are in the world, and we said this about addictions, and listen, if you're, how many are breathing today? I am, we're addicted to something. No, I don't like that. I like coffee. I'm not addicted to it. I just have to have it every morning or else. Oh, okay. Don't have to have it, but I choose to. But thank God, as, as, as we can see, and we'll just wrap this up this morning, in Matthew, the 11th chapter. Again, we'll just just touch on that, and we'll, we'll end this. Uh, Matthew 11. And we'll see uh, the reality of these things. And again, these are, these are kingdom teachings, but there's still things that we glean out of them that are absolutely correct about us. So again, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden. And when you do, here's the promise, I will give you rest. Kopiao, labor, kopiao, what does that mean? To become weary, to become burdened. But you know what? This is what he learned in his, his humanity. He had to learn it, you know. He had to learn these things because as God, what did he have to learn? But in his humanity, to become the sin sacrifice to his Father and for us without blemish or spot, he had to learn these things. He had to learn them. And that's what he says. Who's speaking this to us? Okay, Who's saying this to you and I, this only patient witness of love? Who's witnessed his love more than Jesus Christ? Even in his humanity, he witnessed that love. That's what the yoke is. It keeps us yoked up to the authority of his love. That's what it does. And then finally we can continue to have fellowship. And that is literally what it's saying here in First John. And we'll close that with this. First John, the first chapter. This is what we have. This is what is ours in Christ. And we don't have to live like the natural man's viewpoint. If you want to know the natural man's viewpoint, you read the book of Ecclesiastes. It starts out in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and 2. Vanity, vanity, all is what? Vanity. Who was that speaking that? Solomon. Edmund, what was his worth financially today? Nine trillion dollars. $9 trillion. And with all of that, what did he say? Could he have enough money? Did he have enough women? Fact of the matter is, you read that portion in this life, Ecclesiastes 5 17, 18. A wife, Ecclesiastes 9 9. Boy, we have so much more. What do we have? This is what we have here in 1 John chapter 1. And we can see that, and we'll read that in 1 John 1. This is what we have. And when he brings this out, and we'll have to stop short of this because we're getting a little winded here. But in 1 John chapter 1, 1, it says, that which was from the beginning. Now he's going way back when he wrote 1 John the Holy Spirit through him, 1 John 1 1. He's going back to John 1 1. Some have said, well, you know, what's the oldest verse in the Bible? It's not Genesis 1 1. In the beginning, God created, because that's time. No. In the beginning, the word, that's eternity, in John 1, verse 1. Why would he ever? Can you imagine him choosing to come out from that? 1 John 1, verse 1, In the beginning, the word, and the word with God. Remember we talked about that word with is pros, P-R-O-S in the Greek, and literally what it means. Here's the Father and the Son with this eternal embrace of an exchange of a love, an affectionate love that nothing could disturb or distract. And he would come out of that, put on humanity. But yet, still, never leave the bosom of the Father. Deity's deity, can't be separated. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But would put on humanity. Wow. I have to question how much he loves me, right? Oh, Lord. Forget those questions. In... That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have handled, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life, that life, that was way back in eternity, that was in eternity, put on humanity in John 1, verse 14, and it was manifested, and we have seen it. We have the privilege to see it this morning, to see it. And we can be those that bear a godly testimony, a godly witness in the courtroom of God's justice and show unto you and to each other that eternal life, which was with the Father, but is now manifested through his humanity unto us. And that which we have seen, and you have to see it, experience it first. Then you submit to it and here, We declare, we manifest this unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. He's talking about that joy, that joy that he spoke about back in, in John the 15th chapter, in verses 3 to 15, 11, 11 to 15, that joy the joy that's the Father's revealed in us, that your joy may be full, because this is the whole message. This is the message, because the message is the life, and that's Christ. See, the Scriptures has Christ as its theme, from Genesis to Revelation. We used to hear this back in the 60s and the 70s. You mean to tell me you're preaching Jesus only? Oh, you wouldn't have Jesus without the Father and you certainly wouldn't have him without the Son because they all participated in him. We see that even in in Matthew 3 in verse 16 and 17 when he began his three and a half year public ministry. You heard a voice from heaven, the Father's voice. There's Jesus Christ, truly God and truly man and then the dove in the form of the Holy Spirit. They're all right there. And boy, we're complete in him, aren't we? Boy, we're so complete in Colossians 2.10. And so, but this is not the beginning that we see here in 1 John 1, verse 1. No, not the first beginning. Not that first beginning. No, no. What was our first beginning? What was our first beginning? All of us, what was our first beginning? We were created, in what? In sin and in iniquity did our mother bring us forth. In Psalm 51, and, and verses 4 and 5, verse 5. That was our beginning. This beginning is our new beginning. It's about who we are in Christ. That's why we need to be so yoked up to him. So we don't function. And and it is a lie. Are we in the flesh before his sight in Christ? We're not. You're not, I'm not. We're not to know any man after the flesh. Those that are in Christ, we're not to. We're not to treat each other after our failure. We're not to condemn or accuse. One another, Because in Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ. The rest of that verse is not in the original. The only original in 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1, according to the Koine Greek New Testament, I don't care what translation you look at, okay, you're going to see it very clearly. There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ, period. Whether we walk in the flesh or walk under the government of the Holy Spirit, God is not condemning us. Because he did that once in Christ on him with our sins upon him. And he'll never do that again. We just need a yoke to be yoked up to him. To have his proper view of us. So that we are, his view becomes ours. His view of us, his one thought of us as Jesus Christ. It's either that or what? Vanity. I've had... Oh. I, I, every time I think I have I've had enough of that I see how much more I need to not have enough of that and, but thank God I'm never going to and you're never going to ever come to the end of this love that will never come to the end of in Ephesians 3.19 we'll never come to the end his love passes what? knowledge, you know what that means? we'll never come to the end of it at times we come to the end of it here Because we function in the vanity of the flesh. It still hasn't ended for us. Okay, We have this new beginning. It's constant. We have that eternal life in 1 John 5.11. We have that. We have his view of us. Proper view. That's why we need to be restrained. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you who you've made us to be in the reality of your Son. Because that's what it means to walk in vanity in an in a, in a image that's not of you. It literally means an unreality. There's something false. There's nothing false about who Christ is in us in who we are in him. Nothing. Nothing. And Father, we thank you so much for your tender, compassionate love for us. And thank, thank you that in all times we can trust in you in the safest place, is to pour out our hearts to you without doubt, without fear. Yes, maybe in weakness, but we can pour that out to you. We pour out our weak hearts to you. You pour into us experientially the strength of who you are in us. And thank you so much for that, Lord, this morning. Thank you for each person here and And those that are listening, just thank you so much for every single person that you have made yours. In Jesus' name, amen.